quick cry and then move on already. It's 2021. I'm a jerk. For a horse racing fan, you lost your $2 win bet. Let's roll. Crap, it's episode seven, three months after episode six. I'm the horse racing jerk, and you are hopefully a fan wondering where the jerk has been. Well, I don't have anything exciting to say. I have no good story for you. I was MIA. Life got in the way once again. If you followed my previous shows, you know that I'm a working man with a family. And you'd be amazed at how crazy life can be when you've got children and horses and a wife and a couple of dogs that look like horses. Holy crap, it feels like it's been forever since I've talked to you. So, with that being said, it is June 7th, 2021. It's Monday afternoon. Essential Quality just won the Belmont Stakes. I missed... Pretty much the whole Triple Crown. I'm not sad about it. It was not as exciting as I thought it would be. As an essential quality fan, I made it very clear. That was my horse. Uh, The Kentucky Derby is what it is. We have a lot to talk about there. But, man, there's so many things I've missed. There's been thought sightings everywhere. Summer's coming. But without further ado, let's get to the show. So I'm hopeful this week that Brad Cox will be the first trainer in history to win two Triple Crown races in the same week. If Medina Spirit does in fact get disqualified and removed from the top of the podium from the Kentucky Derby. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this week. I am hopeful, but I believe they're going to wait until the third sample comes back and maybe the fourth sample and verifying that this is in fact fungal cream that was on the horse and that's why the positive test came through. You know, uh, ultimately I think it's interesting on the wording that Churchill Downs Incorporated used on setting the third sample out and in the suspension of Bob Baffert. Uh, Very strong words. You know, I I guess it's safe to say that maximum security a couple years ago and what happened to Jason Service with the indictment, uh, and now here we are with Madonna Spirit, with the fungal cream. I think it's safe to say the horsemen in Kentucky are tired of the outsiders coming through and tarnishing their good race. So it'll be interesting to see what actually happens going forward. I thought Santa Anita had a good take on on, on their part. You know, they they're, they're kind of stuck in the in the middle here, right? Because Bob Baffert's their their jock, their trainer. He's their home boy from California. They're gonna wait until they see the full report from Churchill Downs for making a decision. Uh, I'm not sure if that's right or wrong. They're, whether or not they're saving face or Man, I just don't know. That that I think no matter what Stronick did at Santa Anita and Del or Santa Anita, 
is in that gray area, right? How, how do you move forward if you're either Bob Baffert or the Stronic group? So probably a few weeks out until we see anything different there. Um, I am curious on Delmar. I haven't seen anything from Delmar. You know, if you recall, Jerry Hollendorfer was banned from there for some uh, equine fatalities. So they're, they're not playing around and be interesting to see what happens with Baffert and Delmar. A lot of people are upset by how this is going down. And change takes time, man. Nothing happens overnight. Nothing happens quickly. And it's important to remember that, especially in horse racing. There hasn't been any change in horse racing for years. So to, to sit there and think that they're going to disqualify one of their own, you know, a week after the race or two weeks after the race, they're going to get all their ducks in order. And there's probably lawsuits that are going to come as a result of all of this, right? If you're on Twitter, you've heard about the class action lawsuit that's building steam. You know, the, the Mandaloon lawsuit, if you will, versus, you know, I'm not even sure who the defendants are. Probably Bob and the owners, and, you know, I'm not sure who else. Um, what do I think about that? I don't, I don't know. I think when gamblers start getting together and lobbying lawsuits against trainers... For what happens on the track where do you draw the line going forward right so in two weeks from now irad's racing at belmont what happens if he herds a race and my horse loses the stewards don't make a change but in my opinion what irad did cost my horse a placing and a win and therefore cost me the pick five or pick six is that where we're at? Are we going to start getting lawsuits together against what happens on the track? Now, I know this is different. This is a cheating a cheating thing, but I don't know. It, it, I think there's a, a rabbit hole here that I'm not sure how we don't go down and don't find ourselves in trouble. I think that the class action lawsuit is a good thing from the point of bringing change and transparency. And ultimately, that is what most horse players want is change and transparency. I haven't had an opportunity to speak directly to anybody involved in the class action lawsuit, but I, I, I'm sure they all want their pick fives paid out or whatever their financial damages were as a result of the Medina Spirit cheating escapade. I don't know if a jury would rule in their favor. You know, what happens if you get a, what happens if you get a jury who's not kind to horse racing anyway? And they view this as a way to shut the sport down because people will quit gambling on it. You know, there's, there's a lot of questions here and there's a lot of intelligent people involved and I am not one of them, unfortunately. I mean, the intelligent part, that is. And I, I do think that it's worth a conversation of what the ramifications are after this class action lawsuit and if it gets settled or paid or dismissed. Whatever, whatever it's going to be, is going to have long-lasting effects. And I think uh, as long as there's the clarity and the transparency that people want, the class action lawsuit will be a good thing. Like I said, we'll have to see what goes forward. You know, what happens next? Like I said, the, the example I gave, what happens if there's something a jockey does that a horse player doesn't like? Where do we draw the line? Where do we stop the lawsuits from building, you know, Every race somewhere in North America or the world, somebody feels they are wronged by what happens in a horse race. Whether it's the jockey and the path he chose, the trainer instructions, 
not using the whip enough, using it too many times. There's always somebody upset in a horse race. You've got eight horses running a mile on dirt sometimes. Somebody's going to be pissed. They don't get what they want. So stand by more to come on that. You know, it's it's June. I think we need to wait and see what Churchill Downs does with the disqualification. That might actually strengthen the argument of the lawsuit. So I'm curious, to say the least, of what happens next. So I'm not sure how to segue into this next topic, so I'm just going to jump in with both feet because sometimes you're not sure on the right way to go about it. So I've been gone for three months, as I said in the introduction here. It's been a long three months of playing some horses and being around and and life getting in the way. But, you know, ultimately there's times you just get down and there's times you don't know how to respond or reach out. And I think oftentimes gamblers fall in that trap. And if you're, if you follow on the wrong lead or on the wrong lead.com, I did an article last week about what happens when you get in a funk how do you respond? How do you get out of it? And I'm not going to lie, I found myself in a funk the last few months, and I'm not sure how much of it is life or horses or what. But, you know, you sit there on Twitter, especially horse racing Twitter, and everybody's an alpha male. There's nobody who is willing to admit when life beats them up at times, and nobody wants to say that hey, I lost today. But, you know, mental health, if you want to call it that, or just life becoming too much at times is a serious thing. And, you know, when you have things going in seven different burners, oftentimes you need to step back. And where do you step back from? You don't step back from your family. You don't step back from your career. You step back from your hobbies. So... I'm hoping to be doing shows a little bit more regularly this summer moving forward. Um, I've talked to a few different people on how I'm going to move forward. Um, I think there's going to be some changes coming to the horse racing jerk in the near future. So I'm pretty excited about what's what's coming as far as uh, production schedules and getting things out there. And, you know, being able to share my opinions to you, the listeners, because ultimately, uh, that's what this is, right? It, it, it's a platform for me to talk, you to listen, and hopefully you hashtag the jerk on Twitter and tell me I'm an idiot because I'm okay with it. All right. So we talked about lawsuits. We talked about mental health and how life gets in the way. Now let's just talk about horses. Briefly, horses. Santa Anita had a carryover mandatory pick six on Sunday yesterday there's like 43 horses in the whole sequence I'm sorry it paid well four grand I went five out of six on it but uh 40 horses in a pick six sequence how does that excite anybody are are we serious this is what California racing is now I'm not prepared for that that that's crap you know uh Oaklawn announced today that they're going to have their weekend meet. They're going to start a little bit earlier this year. You know, that might hurt Santa Anita even more, especially their winter meet. So I'm curious to see what happens in the next few months in California because, uh, you know, 40 horses on a mandatory pick six on a Sunday afternoon after the Belmont. 
that card should be stacked, right? That should be a solid card, and it wasn't. It's a little disappointing. So if you can't tell, I'm kind of winging it. Not really having my timeline today, just wanting to get messages out there. So I talked about what happened the weekend, the essential quality winning the Belmont Stakes. Twitter loves Hot Rod Charlie. Rightfully so, okay? Great effort by Hot Rod Charlie. I was impressed. But man, can we call it what it is? That horse ran its ass off, okay? Sorry, language. And got beat. So now they're saying, maybe they're going to go back to the Pacific Classic out west. Makes the most sense. I was on the phone yesterday, and that's right. Mentioned, I said, I think that horse goes back out west and wins a grade one. But it's it's just one of those things I don't, I don't know. I, there's horses that run great in losing. But the fact that all the Twitter trolls have popped up and have jumped on board of Hot Rod Charlie. You know, the horse's next race, the horse threw me two to five. And uh, did what? Ran a mile and a half fast. You know, there's a great conversation on Twitter with Craig... Milkowski from Timeform and talked about the pace. You know, the opening pace was very quick. And then, obviously, the the middle section and the late section was not as quick for Hot Rod Charlie. So, while the, the final time was impressive, you know, the horse was not, you know, uh, a staggering effort, if you will, from a pace standpoint. However, uh, you know... We talk about that all the time. What's the visual appealing part of a horse race? And Hot Rod Charlie had it. You know, that would have been a romantic win for Hot Rod Charlie to go wire and wire, set in a 22-second opening quarter. That, that's the kind of stuff stories are made about. You know, that, that's a Hollywood movie. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens with Hot Rod Charlie. I guess Essential Quality's looking to the Traverse, which should actually set up to be a pretty good race, depending who gets in, who travels. So, you know, uh, I think we got a, I'll say a couple weeks of quiet racing, but this is the time of summer. You know, June, I like June. I like June racing. You, you start getting out of the triple crown mode. Now you start thinking about these three-year-olds as older horses. I mean, they're not older, but now we'll see how they play or race against some older horses, perhaps. You know, the lower-level Kentucky Derby horses or Preakness horses you might find in overnight stakes or grade twos. Or, you know, who knows? Anything's possible. It's an exciting time for horse racing um, in general. But with that being said, right now I'm probably most excited about... I don't know. What's coming up? Asinobia Downs is racing tonight. That's exciting. You know, if you've never played Ass Downs, uh, the speed's usually good. It's a fun little track. And they might have some of the best simulcast music out there. I don't know who they employ as a, as a DJ, but they give Canterbury a run for their money with on-track music or simulcast music, whichever one it may be. Twitter news. So I just looked at the timeline from the last show I did, and the Twitter news back then was drama over Irad punching Paco. Holy crap, it's been that long. It doesn't feel like it's been three months, but it has been. So what's been new on Twitter this 
week, this month. I'm not going to go all the way back the last 90 days, but if you uh, pay attention to Twitter, there's some people that annoyed with horse attorneys or horse players. You know, uh, a lot of people think that three entries per person in a $165 tournament is uh, unfair. You know, I guess uh, my thought on that is if the NHC in Vegas allows you to have two entries per person, why do the feeders let you have three entries per person is it a money grab thing or what is it you know it seems that those contests might be more geared toward those that have a higher disposable wallet can't even say bankroll because some of those guys throw some huge money every day at horse tourneys and uh you know i'm not talking two three hundred bucks a day some of those guys are spending four figures every single day on horse tourneys but you know Everybody has their own bankroll, and I think that's where people get lost, right? Uh, if you're a, a middle-sized player, perhaps you're wagering 500 bucks of cash at the track, and you want to do 200 bucks on horse tourneys a day, well, you've got people doing 10000 a day at the track and 3000 a day in horse tourneys, horse players, stable duel. So I'm not exactly sure what I think about it. I, I do think that... The number of entries in a tournament should be capped at what the prize tournament is. So, like I said, uh, NHC allows two entries per person. I think the feeder should be no more than two entries per person. Just in the interest of fairness, follow the parent tournament rules and guidelines, if you will. I think people would be a little bit happier with that. You know, numbers might be down per tournament, but ultimately, maybe not every bomb's covered by... 15, 16, 17 people in every race. And of course, the other big Twitter news conversation was what? It was about ticket construction. And you saw everybody from Andy Serling to uh, ITP to uh, I don't even know who else got involved. The, The argument between singling and not singling and, you know, I... Ultimately, man, everybody's going to play their own ticket their own way. You can't teach everybody how to look for value in a sequence and how to look for a price in a sequence. There's going to be people, and I know people, that want to win. And they don't care. They will buy a race and say, I like the 6-5. to but I don't want to lose this race, so I'm going to make the other five horses seize. And then they have an ABC ticket. They have that race covered. They're happy. And usually the favorite wins anyway. So it's not so much an issue about ticket construction, I think, as much as it is believing in your handicapping. If you go through a race and you see a horse is much the best on paper, and you say, I'm going to single this horse... But then when you're building your ticket, you're afraid to lose because of that horse. What happens then? You're self-doubting, you're questioning your handicapping and your ticket construction, and you've gone from being intelligent with your ticket and how you presented it and constructed it to second-guessing your handicapping. You know, a few minutes ago I said I went five out of six in the Santa Anita pick six yesterday. Would you like to know which leg I lost? I lost my single, the first leg. I singled the four to five chalky five. And 
it allowed me to go deeper in the two ra races I wanted to be deeper in. You know, I think it was the third and the fourth leg. I was four deep in both of those legs. And that's where I wanted to be with my price target for my ticket. And I don't regret it. Obviously, uh, I wish I would have tossed the favorite and played others, but that's not how this game goes, right? Y you live and die with decisions you make and make your decisions and stand behind them. So you, you can argue till you're blue in the face. You can start all these Twitter fights or whatever you want to do. But if you don't believe in your handicapping to the point that you don't know if you should single or not, you probably have no business playing a pick five. Maybe you should go back to the drawing board and admit, I need confidence in my plays before I worry about my confidence in my ticket construction. I know it's not a common, it's not a popular opinion, okay? And I know that. But at some point, you have to be able to not be afraid to lose. If you like a single horse, and you say, well, if he loses, I lose. So what? Let yourself get beat. You know why? Because when you go seven horses deep in that race and your favorite wins anyway, you're going to hate yourself because that's money you could have spent later in the sequence and been six horses deep in a 12-horse field or something like that. All right, well, I can't go through Twitter news without talking about Cooter. You may know him as Coots, Cooter, whatever you know him as, at Cooter696969. Now, this man has been living his life. If he was a horse, he'd be in Bob Baffert's barn, getting all the proper fungal cream, traveling all across North America. You may follow him. I suggest you do. If you don't, you have no clue what you're missing out on. You know, I don't know where he comes up with some of the stuff he comes up with, but at 2 in the morning, if you wake up and you're like, I can't sleep anymore, let me see what's happening on Twitter. Chances are you're going to see Cooter, and he's going to be hanging out, doing something that you probably wish you were doing instead of not being able to sleep. So just give him a follow. Check it out, man. You can find him on Twitter, Coots. Uh, chances are you already know him. He's kind of got that face that only a mother could love, but the personality that every guy probably wants to be. Almost every guy. You know, I'm a fat guy. I don't want to be a skinny guy. I just wouldn't go out well for me. But anyway, give him a shout. Give him a, give him a follow. Give him a like. He likes to play the six and the nine. Probably Lone Star as I'm speaking. He's probably getting ready to box an exactor or something, so. So I think I'm going to call this one an episode, everybody. You know, it's a, it's good to get back into it. It's good to be back on the on the saddle, so to speak. Um, like I said, there's going to be changes coming. I'm excited about them. Hopefully you will be. Hopefully you'll keep tuning in and forgive my three-month absence because of life, liberty, and the pursuit of whatever the hell I'm pursuing. Be quite quite honest, I'm not sure, but be sure to give us a like at Horse Racing Jerk on Twitter. Check out horseracingjerk.com or hashtag Horse Jerk if you want. Either way, I'll probably be here and I'll be looking forward to it. I've probably overstayed my welcome, but you're probably a losing player. Until then, I'll see you next week. <laughs>